Well, Isaac, good to be back with you. I've got my coffee. Hopefully you, you've got yours and we're going to uh, keep rolling through Colossians here. Today we're thinking about a deeper witness. And as we uh, think about these verses in Colossians 4, let me just read the five verses we're going to talk about today. Paul says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And so Paul has, uh, you know, he opened this letter talking about how he was praying for them. And we talked in uh, that first conversation about deeper prayer, uh, praying for uh, God to work in the lives of people, praying for the gospel and asking him to fill people and strengthen them. And this is almost a bookend to that. Now he's saying, now this is how I want you to pray keep on praying, don't stop praying, and oh, by the way, pray for me, um, and then uh, and then walk that out yourself, and uh, so he's talking about witnessing here, and having opportunities, and uh, doing it with wisdom. What, uh, what are your our initial thoughts here as we, uh, as we look at Paul's words here? First thought is, I feel like this is only a couple of verses, and how are you and I going to talk about this for <laughs> long enough, but I'm sure we'll be fine. Um, but I, yeah, I like that this is kind of a, he's wrapping up this book, connecting it back to his sort of intro, um, that his outro ties to his intro, um, sort of reinforcing the point that he began with. And what was that point? Um, and that point I think was, you know, be continuous in prayer. Um, be mindful of, of how you pray. He says, you know, continue steadfastly in prayer. So that's a, a commitment. Um, and th that word steadfast to me means that it's not just easy. It doesn't just happen. Like there's, there's an element of, um, tension that, that being steadfast and diligent is required to, to make it through. But then he says being watchful in it with Thanksgiving. And so as you think about your prayer life, um, are we giving thanks always? And he says, being watchful. Like it's, to me, that's just be, be aware that it's going to be easy for you to not be thankful. And mm -hmm. I think oftentimes in our, in our prayer lives, we can, it's easy to thank the prayers of Thanksgiving are easy for us to not make because we, we go to God in, in need, right? So many of our prayers are, prayers of need or desire or come from areas of you know, trouble in our lives. Yeah. Fix this. Yes. You know, fix this or there's this something negative is going on in my life. And so I need the positiveness of God in it. Um, and I think it's a challenge. And you look at like David and the Psalms, so many of his prayers were like, something along the lines of woe is me. My spirit is troubled. This world is against me. But every single time you read that every chapter, he always 
almost every single chapter ends with some sort of a but. Right. Praise to you. You are God. You've got it. Hallelujah. Thankful to you. And so I think it's almost like, uh, and Paul did not write this to David. David did not get his eyes on this letter, but this, this message from God, David had very much received of be watchful in your continuous prayers be watchful with thanksgiving. Make sure that that thanks, thankful heart makes it into your continuous and regular prayers. And the idea of being watchful, pray and notice what happens. Notice how God begins to work in a situation. Uh, notice the answer that he gives and thank him for it. Um, even if the answer may be contrary to what you were hoping for when you started praying, um, as God begins to move and he may redirect how you're praying, but continue to pray and continue to persevere in prayer. And, um, and then, you know, Paul transitions from <clears throat> talking about their faithfulness to pray, uh, to getting specific about, as you pray, pray for me, pray for when, us. And before uh, we get off that thankfulness thing. Oh, I, sure. Yeah. I was reminded as, as I talk about David and Psalms, um, Psalm 92, one through five, um, is just a great, great prayer that I've sort of glommed onto in, in my, my life and my walk. But this is what it says in Psalm 92, one through five. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, almost high, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. To the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. And so I've got that saved in my phone under the title of Evening Prayer. Mm. So I try to meditate on that every night. Am I successful? No, not every night. Uh, but, you know, I've done it enough that, that that's kind of planted in my in my heart that as I lay down to, to fall asleep at night, I'm trying to um, remember and name how he was faithful to me that day. And so he says, you know, start your day, focus on his steadfast love, and then at night, his faithfulness. And so, um, you know, as we're trying to be continuous in prayer and to be watchful in it with thanksgiving, you know, can you set something up regular in your life that you carve out some time not to make requests of God? Right. Um, I try that. I try to stay away from requesting anything in that prayer. And it's hard because <laughs> right. as soon as you start thanking him on for something, it's like you want to then hey, continue to do that. Or, hey, right. you know, you provided this, but that now leads to this other question. And so, you know, but just to, this is a time for thanking him for what he does. And it's amazing what, what it does to your attitude and your thoughts. It's hard to be, it's hard to be negative when you're looking back at ways that, that he has been faithful to you and that he's provided to you. And some days are easier than others um, to identify those things, um, sure. but to carve out. And, and for me, it's, it's, this isn't 45 minutes of prayer. This is me <laughs> in bed, falling asleep. Um, I know right. for you, that would take, 0.4 seconds <laughs> right um, but it would be a peaceful sleep yeah and then but then you wake up and so you wake up in the morning then having literally slept on the idea that god provided for you the day before um, and, and you're thankful now 
he says, um, you know, declare your steadfast love in the morning. So now in the morning, um, there's a prayer of, you know, God, show me your love today. Thank you for loving me and show me your love today. And like, that's the heck of a way to bookend a day. Um, and so as you're, you're being watchful, thank you. Make sure you carve out some time to just, just be thankful to identify. Um, and, and maybe you, as you start that prayer, you're like, I don't know that I have anything to be thankful for. Review your day and, and he will reveal to you. The spirit will reveal to you ways to be thankful for him. And then set your mind on those things. So that was just, I was just reminded of that, that prayer and that practice. Um, again, that verse was Psalm 92, one through five. If anyone wants to pull that up. Um, but just as we talk about David, someone who's described as being a man after God's own heart, it's not that he was always perfect. And it's not that he never expressed grief to God. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. But it was always, he was watchful to make sure that Thanksgiving was included in all that. Well, very good. It sounds like you're continuing steadfastly in prayer. Uh, being watchful with Thanksgiving. So, good job. Keep it up. Uh, keep it up. And then he says, at the same time, pray for us. Now, the us there is interesting because this is a letter from Paul. But next uh, time we're together, we'll look at the rest of this chapter. We find out, oh, there's a lot of us's <laughs> that he's talking about here, which reminds us of the importance of the other people in our life that help us do ministry and be successful in doing this Christian life together. But he, pray for us uh, that God may open for us a door for the word. I just love that expression. Uh, pray that God would open an opportunity for us to share the gospel. Uh, in our EE ministry, we call those divine appointments. We believe that God orchestrates the circumstances of life to put people together so that uh, someone can share the good news. So he's asking for an open door realizing that God's the only one who can do that. And if the door is open, then he's going to declare the mystery of Christ. Oh, by the way, that's why I'm in prison, but pray that I'll do it some more, um, that I may make it clear. Uh, now, if he makes it clear, uh, someone's going to understand the gospel. Someone else will understand it in a way that will make them mad, and he'll probably end up back in jail. So there's a danger to being clear with the gospel, but he doesn't care. Um, uh, it, but he does mention that, oh, by the way, it is why I'm in jail. Um, so I'd like that we're, we're at the end of this letter, right? Um, and I do not recall him mentioning so far anything about being in jail. I don't think and He so. doesn't spend a lot of time on it here. No. But he's in prison for exactly your point, declaring the gospel, and it just doesn't come up. You know, and how many of us that be the first thing that we right. spend a lot of time on, get right? me out of prison would be, <laughs> be the first words out yeah. of. The, and he was more yeah. practiced at it than we are, but exactly. And and he's just like, I need more opportunities. My opportunities are limited here. Uh, pray that the Lord would open a door. Now that might be the prison door, or it might be the door to the warden's office, or or to uh, to or talk. To yeah, whoever. But he's gonna he's gonna give them the word uh, if the door is open. But God's the only one that can open it. So pray that God would open the door. And and I think his example part part of the reason he is saying this 
is to be the example uh, to the Colossians, because he's saying, pray for my witness uh, that I would make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Our goal should be able to make the gospel clear and simple. Uh, God forgive us when we complicate it. But then he say he turns this right into their evangelism efforts. And so for you, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of your time. And he's talking about the opportune time there, this idea of divine appointments again. Uh, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Each person, they're, they're, each person is unique. Each conversation will be different. Tailor it. Pay attention to what you learn from individuals. Shape your message based on what they need to hear. It's not going to be the same every time. But, um, you know, follow Paul's example. Be ready to declare the mysteries of Christ. But do it with wisdom. Who, Lord, show me who should I talk to? When should I talk to them? How do I do it? What should I say? Do it with vision, recognizing when God has opened the door. When he's created the opportunity, you have nothing to fear because he's the one who set it up and he's going to accomplish his purpose. Um, and do it with, do it with words. Um, you've got to, you've got to say it out loud. Uh, let your speech always be gracious seasoned with salt. So you'll know how to answer each person. It's not just about doing good deeds. You've got to tell people why you're doing them. Um, do it with grace and do it with salt. Now that's the interest. Salt, salt creates flavor. Salt makes you thirsty. Um, and so salt, salt brings out the flavor of whatever you put it in. Right. Yes. And so back to, to your point of, um, each person, right? Like if you're having conversations, if you're being salt, that salt brings out the flavor of who that, that person is. Good. Um, and I think that's a, such a great, um, salt that Jesus calls us the salt uh, of the earth, right? Yeah. Um, and so it's, you know, we tell his story and that brings out the flavor in that person. Right. Um, and each person that it's not, we don't, salt does not make everything taste the same. Nope. That's right. It has a little taste of its own. And, and it, it does, does, but that magnifies the, the taste of what's in. Right. And so how do you do that with an individual? You do it by asking questions and listening to their response. You you share scripture, because scripture is salty, uh, and, uh, and ask what they think about that. Get them thinking about scripture. Um, and you do it with a, a, that word salt. It, it can also be translated as prudence, uh, discernment. Um, are they open? How are they responding? Do they seem really interested in this? Have they thought much about it before? Um and, uh, and so uh, it's, a, it's a learning exercise as well. This idea of, of sharing with salt is also noticing how they're responding to it uh, and being able to discern from that then how to shape the message and continue the conversation. So there's a lot, uh, a lot wrapped up here in uh, praying that your conversation would be seasoned with salt. But this is the walking. You know, this is the... Uh, you know, he, I kind of look at this and it is kind of double clicking on and 
in the first chapter of Colossians. Right. You know, kind of our first as we walk through this, talking about deeper prayer, um, where we talked about sort of a three-step process of living out your faith. One was being filled with the knowledge of his will. Um, and then two was so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Yes. Then then he moves on. He says that, that will that will bear fruit, and then he's going to increase in your knowledge. So it's like get filled up, go do, go walk. Yep. That will bear fruit. And then he's going to increase your capacity to be full. And it's kind of that wash, rinse, repeat cycle, right? But it's just interesting that the word walk is used in both of these. Um, and so yeah. in chapter one, he just says, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit. And you can be like, well, what does that look like? Well, if you read the rest of my book, then um, you get to the end, walk in wisdom toward, out, toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, see, gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So the walking that he describes in chapter one is going towards the people in your life, going towards each person that's in your life uh, and paying attention to the conversations that you have. They're sprinkled with the salt of Christ uh, and the gospel, and that you may understand how to engage with them through the Spirit's work in you, because step one was being filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So you spend time being filled by God, and that is going to impact the conversations and the relationships that you have. That's the walking. That's the execution of his work in you is the people around you. Right. Which also, you know, to get from chapter one to chapter four, we passed through chapters two and three, where we talked about the deeper faith, the deeper freedom, the deeper purpose, uh, the deeper practice in our specific relationships. This is what it looks like then to walk that out. You've, you've put off, you've put on, he's working in you. It's coming out. You do that directionally towards other people. It's um, almost like it's all connected. I somehow it sounds like it was the all the one yeah. letter, which I think is important. This thought just hit me, so it may not be fully flushed out yet. <laughs> um, it's almost like it's important to have multiple script, scripture references as you're as you're working through learnings and messages, right? Like um, if if you go and, and you got a you're hearing a message or a speaker or a podcast, whatever, on a specific message, um, that's not just standalone. Like it's tied to all the other um, the rest of the word. The word of God is a complete a complete work. Um, and so it's just amazing how everything sort of ties together and you see this this flow. Well, this leads to that, which leads to this, which brings you this and takes you to this, which reveals this about God. And then that is executed out through this. Um, and it's just so, so alive, um, that, well, and it is and it takes one piece and no. that's it. And it's connected to all the other inputs in your life. You've talked uh, earlier about the importance of praise and worship music and the intake of that. You're listening to different messages as you go through the day. And, and as you've often suspected, all of these Bible preachers have, have agreed that they're going to talk about this one point this week so that you really get it and you hear it everywhere you go. Uh, those, are, those are just more examples of how God feeds a message into your life that then you'll be able to share with someone else 
uh, who's struggling or just needs some encouragement. And, and uh, uh, this morning I was talking to my friend and he was uh, talking about a passage of scripture that he's been studying this week. Well, I was studying it back in February and it impacted my life. And I was able to share with him uh, that and, and encourage him as he continues through it. Um, and, and God set that up over a year ago when we started meeting every week to talk. So um, it's just interesting to see how it is like it's all connected and someone's listening today and they need the encouragement and motivation to be a more effective witness, a deeper witness for Christ by putting these things into practice, starting with deeper prayer, being motivated by the example of others like Paul, who's praying for open doors that he could walk through them with the mystery of Christ. And then we we move forward. We move towards people with wisdom and with vision and with the right words that he gives us. Do it with grace, season it with salt, and trust him for the impact. That's how it flows. When you mentioned earlier that Paul was an example to the Colossians on, you know, from a ministry perspective, that he went and engaged with the gospel and then he rounds that into encouraging them to do the same, right? He's also an example here of um, of, of prayer, um, not just how you pray, but that he, this struck me earlier when you were talking about him requesting them to pray for him, um, that his ministry was um, elevated through the prayer of others, but that he requested it of them and, and, and asked them to pray for him in, in specific manners. Um, and just as we talk about relationships, I think sometimes I know personally, I can get caught up in me praying for my own life. That's a conversation between myself and God, right? But the, the, the example that we see through Paul and others is, you know, bring others into that, have them praying for you as well. Well, for others to pray for me, I've got to tell them about what's going on in my life, right? Like I've got to tell them, this is, this is where I'm at. Pray for me for this. Um, and, and that I covet those prayers. I need those prayers um, in order for my ministry to work. And so there's a, an element of transparency and, and, um, and openness um, and vulnerability that I think doesn't come natural to most, uh, especially guys, uh, but to most people um, of, hey, this is what God's doing in my life. I want you to be a part of it in your prayer. You know, it's so interesting you say that. I'm reminded that just a couple of years ago, I met one of the legendaries of American evangelism over the last 60 years. He's actually been an evangelism professor for 60 years plus, Robert Coleman. He's written some of the great books on evangelism. He's led evangelism at seminaries. And I got to meet him, and I, I had him uh, sign uh, one of my favorite books that he wrote, The Master's way of personal evangelism. And his when he wrote his signature in the book at 92 years old, he wrote, Randall, pray for me. And then he wrote the, the Great Commission. Pray for me that I would fulfill the Great Commission. Robert Coleman. And I'm like, oh my goodness, here's this giant of evangelism. It would be like, you know, get this letter from Paul. Right. Uh, and he's saying, pray for me Yeah, uh, that I would fulfill the Great Commission. 
Uh, and so that's exactly what you're talking about here. And it's someone who spent his life not only studying it, but teaching it to others. And his thought is, I need your prayers as I continue to fulfill the Great Commission. So pray for us and pray for one another and walk towards uh, the unbelievers, the outsiders, because we used to be outside too, and somebody walked to us. So we need to remember that. We had no problem filling some time today, did we? Hey, we got it. There's no problem at all. Hopefully it's been <laughs> salty for those who are listening and uh, will be an encouragement to many folks. God bless yeah, you. Finish your coffee and we'll uh, live it out, hopefully. <laughs>